Hey guys, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? You ought to be doing a little bit better after that worship. I'm just telling you, that was good. We are so grateful uh, to the Holy Spirit for showing up in this place. So grateful for our band for leading us in worship this morning. Hey, I've got an exciting announcement for you. 2019 and you have perfect church attendance so far. Go ahead and give yourselves a big hand clap. You did it. You did it. We got to see if it can stay perfect next week, so make sure you come back. But uh, no, exciting that uh, we're starting a brand new year, starting a brand new series. It kicks off today. We are starting a series called Confidence. Confidence. And I want to go ahead and tell you right up front that today's going to be a little bit different. Uh, here's what I mean. Normally when I start a series, what I try to do, maybe you've noticed this, maybe you haven't, what I try to do is start really broad. And I want to show you how whatever it is that we're going to be talking about, it, it just is broad. It touches your life in some area. And then each week we dive in to specifics. Well, today we're going to do it a little bit different. Today I want to get very specific. I want to go after it. And then after that, we'll back up next week. And so anyway, I think, I think it's going to be good. God's directed me to talk on this. And we're going to talk today about the source of our salvation, or maybe more appropriately, the confidence we can have in our salvation uh, before I jump into the message, though, let me just say, I'm excited to be back up here. I got to change roles. Last week, I got to sit out in the audience, and I got to hear, and uh, Pastor Ivan brought a word, didn't he? Were you guys here? Did we enjoy that? He talked about guarding your heart, and he talked about media, and uh, realizing what are we what are we putting into our life? What are we putting into our mind and our soul with the things that we're taking in and watching and the conversations we're having? And one thing he said has just challenged me this week. He encouraged us to think about what you think about. Like the, the meal of your mind is always running. And so do you ever stop to just process, wait, is what's running through the meal of my mind, is that God honoring, or is that something that really I need to like clean the filter out, or how does that work? And so anyway, it was a great message. It was so good that uh, this past week I had the opportunity to lead a devotion for the men and women's basketball team here at the university through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and uh, they heard that sermon. I just retread it. It was so good. I went ahead and preached it again. Mine was better, of course, but anyway, no, I'm just kidding with it. Just joking. All right, so we're talking about confidence. And uh, one of the things that I have done today that I have never done before, I've, I've been your pastor for two and a half years, and I've been careful that if I ever give a quote, I will source the quote. I want to be careful to give credit when another man or another woman uh, has material and it's not my own. And so I've never done this before, but I want to tell you that I have encountered a resource recently. It's by Pastor J.D. Greer uh, from Summit Church up in the Raleigh-Durham area. And it's this book called Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart, How to Know for Sure That You're Saved. And, uh, and it's, it's a good book. And I'll just tell you, I don't agree theologically with everything that Pastor J.D. says but there's a lot of good in there. And so it's $5 on Christian Book Distributor. I would encourage you, if you, you know, are intrigued by anything in the message today, go and check that out. 
But I want to say that first and foremost because I'm going to use some of his uh, illustrations and object lessons, and I think one of his points. So I'm going to use some of his stuff, so I want to be careful to give him credit. I just think that, uh, that you know, a pastor should do that. And so anyway, we're going we're gonna to dive into some of that. And I want to begin today by asking this question, because see, I just, I picture that you are here at church on a Sunday morning on a cold winter's day, because you fall into one of these two groups. You're either a believer, you're, you're saved, you're a believer, or you are seriously considering Christianity. And so you're here because maybe one of those two reasons. And so this question becomes central to our life. And we're just diving right in, getting super specific. Here's the question. Am I saved? Am I saved? How can I know and how can I be sure? So if, if I say that I am saved, did I say the prayer right? Am I doing it right? Was it effective? And then as I live my life and as I go on my journey, am I still saved? How does that work? Is God still working? So am I saved? How can I know and how can I be sure? I got to tell you, as a pastor, I really see four distinct Groups. I think that there are four groups, and we would fall in one of these four groups. The first one is, there are those people, they're saved, and they know they're saved. And just to use some old-school church lingo, they are the blood-bought saints of God. They're just, they're in. They talk to Jesus, you know. He talked to them directly at some point, it seems like. And, and so they're in, and they know it. Then I think there's a second group, and these are those people who, they aren't saved, and they know it. And for whatever reason, and, and it breaks my heart, and it baffles me, and I just, I hate that this is true, but I think that there are people who are not saved, and they know they're not saved, and for whatever reason, they're okay with it. And so that's the second group. Then there's another group. There are those who aren't sure, but they should be. Or maybe I should say they aren't sure, but they could be. Scripture tells us that we can know. We can have blessed assurance of our salvation. And so we're going to talk about that today. But I told you there was four groups. The, the fourth one, and this is really the one that concerns me, are those who are sure but shouldn't be. They, they would say, yep, I'm saved. I'm in. I'm good. And really, they shouldn't be. And I'm not the judge. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not the judge. I don't get to decide who's in what group, what group you're in, what group you're not in, or you think you should be in, or maybe you act like you're in this group. But that's not up to me. But God decides. And I know that sounds awful judgmental that there are some people who think they're in, but really, they shouldn't be so sure. But but Scripture tells us that. Look at Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, Depart from me, you workers 
of lawlessness. Whoa. That's intense. That, that's a little bit unnerving to think that there are people who think they're good. They believe wholeheartedly that they have a relationship with God, but on the last day when they show up before him, he's going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. And, and this isn't just any old body. These are people who have prophesied in his name, who have cast out demons. I don't know about your church background, but it's not just everybody that does that. And so, listen, I know as I read these verses, it can be, again, it can be a little scary. I'm not trying to scare you. What I am trying to do is help us all to realize that this is serious stuff. And as we think about this and as we start this dialogue, it is worth our full attention. But I also want to be clear that Scripture tells us we can know that we're saved. So we don't have to be in that last group that think they're sure, but really they probably shouldn't be. So I wonder, does God want us to know that we're saved? Does God want us to know that we're going to heaven? You ever thought about that? Does God want us to know for sure that we're going to heaven? Some people would say he doesn't. It's the carrot on the string that keeps us going down the right road. You guys ever seen that cartoon? There's a mule. There's somebody on, on the back of the mule. They have a carrot dangling down, fishing pole out in front, and the mule just keeps going because he thinks he's about to get the carrot, but all the while he's never getting closer to it. Some people would say that's what our salvation, that's how God keeps us in line. I mean, think about it. So if you were to start in a class here at UMO, I don't know what class, just say biology, whatever. You were to start in class, and on the first day of class, the professor came up to you and said, you know what? I like you. There's just something about you. You seem like a, a nice person. I don't care what you do. I'm going to give you an A. Do as little or as much of the work as you want. Show up to the classes. Don't show up to the class. I'm going to give you an A. How many of you know you may not study as much for that class? Everybody just in agreement on that? Yeah. I see some UMO students, and they're like, please, Jesus, you know. May not put forth the full effort in that class. And so that's the analogy that those people would use. If we knew for sure, if God would reveal to us for sure that we were going to be able to be in heaven with him, then we would live however we wanted to. We would go into all kinds of wicked stuff. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree. Here's an analogy I like much better. Last month, I was out of town for a few days. Now, let's just suppose that right before I would have left to go out of town, I would have gathered my boys around, and my children are probably too young to understand all this, so let's just say they were older, got down on one day, hey guys, give dad a hug, I love you guys so much, I'm going to be going out of town for a few days, but hear me, I love you, I'm proud of you, I'm going to be back in a few days, and I'm going to bring you something from where I'm going to, Okay. Or, hey, quit real quick before you guys go back to your rooms. Or actually, I don't love you all that much. And you know what? I'm actually not even sure I'm your dad. 
I know it's horrible. This is probably bad timing, but I'm not even really sure. And you know what? I don't know that I like it here that much. I may not come back. I've actually got a family on the other side of the state, and so this has been nice, but I may just go be with them from now on. See you soon. (laughs) And I shut the door, and I left. I see the look on a lot of your faces. You're just cringing. You're like, that's horrible. Andrew, what is wrong with you? I didn't actually do that, but we would never want our earthly father to do that. How much more so is our heavenly father who gives far better gifts not going to do that to us? We want to know that we have a relationship with him. We want to know that he loves us. We want to know that he's coming back for us. And so I would say that, yes, God wants us to know that heaven is for real and that it's a real place and we're going there and that we have a relationship with him and that he loves us. I think God wants us to know that, but it's more than just an analogy. Let me show it to you in Scripture. John writes this, 1 John 5, 11 through 13. <clears throat> and this is the testimony God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son, read that next part with me, has life. Wow, thank you, two of you. Here we go, we're going to read it together. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God, read that last part with me, so that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know. You can know. That Greek word there for know is certain. You can be absolutely certain. How? Verse 12 tells us, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever doesn't have the Son. I mean, it's it's so simple. We, We complicate it a lot. We 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 put other stuff on it that God never put on it. I think one of the reasons why God made the gospel message so clear about believe on Jesus and you are saved, it's, it's so clear. I think the reason he did that is because he, he wanted us to know. He wanted us to know that we're saved. He wanted us to be able to have that confidence. But have you ever lacked confidence in your salvation? I won't raise your hands or anything, but have you ever been saved, gotten saved, and then some time goes by and you're like, oh, I'm not sure. So, so I grew up in church. I've told you guys that. And uh, I was in this ministry called Royal Rangers. It's a camping ministry, that kind of thing, kind of like Boy Scouts, but it's through a church. And so a heavy Jesus emphasis and so we would go on campouts, couple, two, three campouts a year, and uh, there was this guy in my class, and everybody knew. It didn't matter how big or how small the campout. Sometimes we would get together with other churches, churches all over eastern North Carolina. Sometimes it would just be like not even our whole church. It would just be our class. And I was in this guy's class, and one thing that you knew for certain, at some point during this campout, he's going to give his life to Jesus. You just knew it, and you didn't know if it was going to be the first night or the last night. And sometimes you'd be like, dude, he's running out of time. It may not happen. And then right on schedule, 
There it was. Give his life to Jesus every single camp out. And so I observed this over a few years. I know, horrible, but I was a, I was a young boy then. The, the, the leaders would say, every head bowed and every eye closed. Of course, I was, you know, you got to get a little, but I'm peeking. My eye's not open. It's just a, and I would see his hand go up. And I thought, dude, every time. And so finally, after about three years, I confronted him one night at church. I said, man, every single time, like, are you saved or aren't you? Or what's going on? You, you know, you only got to do it once, right? And here's what he said to me. He said, man, I, when Jesus comes, I just want to know. I, I want to have, I, I just want to be sure. What, what he was craving in that moment was confidence. What, what he really wanted throughout all those years and all those campouts was he wanted to be sure. And so what I want to do with the time that we have together today is I want to say, I want to ask you this question, and then I want to give you three points that I think will answer it. So here we go. What is saving faith, and how can you know you have it? What is saving faith, and how can you know you have it? Number one, saving faith is a relationship, not just a prayer. Saving faith is a relationship, not just a prayer. A lot of people, especially people who have been in church for any length of time, they equate salvation with the sinner's prayer. But not one time in the Bible does it say that a prayer will save you. It doesn't. Now, don't get me wrong. I know some of you are probably ready to stone me right about now. Don't get me wrong. I say the sinner's prayer. I lead us in the sinner's prayer. I do this. I think it is an effective tool. It's, it's a good first step. It helps people start that journey. But when you say the sinner's prayer, and for those of you that aren't familiar, just you admit that you're a sinner. You acknowledge that Jesus is who he said he is. He's the Christ. You believe on him. You commit to live for him for the rest of your life. That's basically what the sinner's prayer is, some version of that. We use that here. There's nothing wrong with the sinner's prayer. But one of the things that I try to always be so careful about is I want to make sure that I say, hey guys, if you said this today, that saying the sinner's prayer is not the be-all, end-all. I don't care if you raised your hand, walked the aisle, I don't care what all you did. It's, that's not it. That's not, this is the start of a journey. You, you're going to walk out this salvation every day. Jesus tells us that daily we're supposed to take up our cross and follow him. Uh, scripture tells us to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. It is a daily walk. It's not you did one thing and you're good to go forever. And so I'm always kind of careful to say that because faith, faith, saving faith, biblically speaking, does not exist apart from action. Faith and action go hand in hand. So belief is not really belief until you act on it. Belief is not faith, I should say, until you act on it. Once you act on it, then that faith becomes, that belief becomes faith. The writer of Hebrews says this in verses 18 and 19 of chapter 3. 
And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. What's interesting to me is in, is in this verse, you see the bold words there? Disobedience and unbelief are tied together. The, the writer of Hebrews uses those words interchangeably because belief and faith, again, they go hand in hand. Think of it this way. So I asked the, um, I asked the guys, I said, hey, can you bring this chair up? And They did appreciate them. Now, do I trust do I trust this chair? We may think I trust this chair. We may suppose I trust this chair. I could say some really good things about the chair. Chair, you look so good. Oh man, this is such a nice cushion. Chair, you look structurally sound. I mean, I could talk and say wonderful things about the chair. But the way we know if Andrew Price trusts this chair is if my relationship to the chair changes. If I come and I sit in it. If I rest my weight in the chair, that's how it becomes evident that, okay, he, it's more than just talk. He really trusts the chair. This is nice. I like this. You guys are so lucky. I'm just kidding. Every person that I see right now is seated. Do you trust your chair? Yes. I don't, you didn't tell me that. I didn't have an individual conversation with every one of you before service started, but I know that you trust your chair and you probably didn't even look to make sure the bolts were tightened. You didn't check the structural integrity of the chair. You, it was for most of you, you know what it was? It was just a subconscious decision. You came in, pushed the chair down and sat down in it. But you trust the chair and I know that because of your present relationship to the chair. And so that leads me to point number two. Saving faith is found in a present relationship. Saving faith is found in a present relationship. When the Bible directs you to confidence in your salvation, it never points you to a past memory. It always points you to a present reality or a present relationship. I asked for a couple volunteers. If you guys would come on up, not sure where they are. All right, thank you. I was going to do it randomly and then got kind of scared. So I, but I didn't tell them exactly what we were going to be doing. And so, uh, so anyway, I've asked them to come up here. I want to prove this point. I want to show you. So I've asked Chris to be Jesus. Completely miscast, I know. And then I've asked Tiffany uh, to be a sinful person. Pretty easy. <laughs> I'll let you say that, all right. Um, so Chris thinks that's blue. Come on over here so they can see you guys. So Chris, you're Jesus. Tiffany, you're a sinful person. And something just sparks in your heart one day and you know, oh, I've got to give my life to Christ. I need to ask for forgiveness for my sins. So come on over here and ask Jesus. And that's, that's pretty good. Hold, hold on. She said it really sweet. You guys couldn't hear it. But 
Tiffany, this is like the God of the universe. This is the God who created everything that we know. You may want to come with a little bit more humility than that. If you want to like just get on your knees before God and ask him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've lost all control, folks. So she comes. She's asked for forgiveness. Now, Jesus, yeah, absolutely. So you have given her a certificate of salvation. Tiffany, you're good to go. When did you get saved, Tiffany? Seventh grade. Okay. So she's in seventh grade. When she's done some living since then. And so she went through middle school and then come right on over here and then high school and then college years. We probably shouldn't talk about that at church. And, and so somewhere along the way, Tiffany looks around and she's like, oh, I wonder if that's still good. If this certificate that he gave me, I wonder if my salvation is still current and up to date. I mean, is it like a driver's license? Do you have to renew it every so often? And so she comes and she's like, oh, it's Tiffany, how do you know you're saved? Because that moment over there, right? Yeah, because of what happened when you were in seventh grade. And so now she gets to the age she's at now and she's like, you know what? I just want to be sure. And so here we go. We're going back to Jesus. And, so, and Jesus is happy to welcome her back. You know, you don't have to do that again. You like that too much. I think I'm in trouble now. And so we, we look at that as being like, okay, that's what Christianity looks like. That's how it works. That's not biblical. That's not how it works at all. Let me show you how it actually works. So, Tiffany, you come to Jesus. You don't have to... Be, do all that again, but <laughs> Jesus is going to require it. You come to Jesus, and you give your heart to Jesus. You ask him to come live in you. And so now, you hop up into his arms. Keep it PG, folks. So, so now, come on over here. You're going to come through middle school and high school and college. And so you get over here now, and Tiffany, how do you know that you have a relationship with Jesus? Because he's right there. She said, because he's holding me, because I am resting in his arms. How could I not have a relationship with him? He's right here, you know? And so this is really how biblical Christianity looks. You can put her down now. Hey, Jesus, real quick before you leave, I want to get saved. No, I'm just kidding. You guys are so good. Hey, give him a hand clap. Here's my point. Tiffany got over here, and I said, how do you know you're saved? And we all had to go, well, back over there. I was in sixth grade, and I was at church summer camp. and I can't. But biblical Christianity never requires us to look at a past memory. That's conversion. That's important. That's huge. But that's where we assumed the relationship. That's where we climbed up into Jesus's arms, and now we're resting in him. And so if we ever wonder, if we ever consider, am I saved? All we need to do is look over. It is a present relationship. One caveat I want to throw in there is, Sometimes as Christians, and, and this happens to every single one of us, 
we backslide. And we do things we, we don't have no business doing. Or we allow our heart to get separated from God. And the intimacy wanes. And so we backslide. And does that mean that if I backslide, I'm not saved? No. No. Look at Proverbs 24, 16. It says, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. For though the righteous man falls seven times, that number seven is a number of completion. It means you fall and you fall, and, and that's okay. A righteous man is not righteous because he never falls, but because of what he does when he falls. And just to kind of keep it with the illustration that we were giving here, at some point, we can say, hey, Jesus, uh, this is great, this whole you carry me thing, but I want to just kind of explore a little bit. And so we get down out of his arms, and then we fall. We backslide. We mess up. We do things we know we ought not do. We get away from him. We're not in an intimate relationship with him like we once were. So then that backsliding happens. We stand up, and Jesus picks us back up just to kind of keep with the illustration we were in. So saving faith is found in a present relationship. Number three, the last point, saving faith produces a new nature. Saving faith produces a new nature. Hear me, there's no way you come to Jesus and don't change. Doesn't happen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. When we come to Christ, when we are in a saving relationship with Him, when we are resting in His arms, Jesus gives us a new nature. It just it happens. It's a matter of fact. It's not that it happens for some people and not others. Let me show you what that looks like. Say I were to come in this morning, and you were to notice when I showed up for church, I had some grease right there on my face. And you guys are wonderful people, and you're friends of mine. So you're not going to let me walk around with my collar popped or with spinach in my teeth or with grease on my... You're going to tell me. You're not going to let me walk around looking crazy. And because you're such a good friend, you tell me about the grease on my cheek, but then you're kind of curious. Well, wait, Pastor Andrew, what were you doing to get grease on your face? I mean, what a... Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Suppose I were to tell you, well, I got this grease on my face crazy story. Let me just tell you what happened to me. I was coming to church. I was on Highway 55, and as I was driving down, I see these just $100 bills floating around. Traffic is stirring them up, so you know me. I was pulled off the road, stopped got out, started collecting all of them I could find, kind of lost track of where I was on the road. And when I looked up, there was a semi coming at me, and it was going 60 miles an hour, and it hit me. And so that's where the grease on my face came from. Some of you are shaking your heads right now. You're like, Pastor Andrew, I love you. You're sweet, but you're lying. 
And you would know I was a liar because there is no way that a force like that could hit you. And the only thing that happens is you get a little grease on your cheek. If a semi-truck is coming down the road at 60 miles per hour and it hits you, you are going to look different. You're going to act different. You're going to walk different. Some of you already know where I'm going with this. Jesus is a force that is much more powerful than a semi. When he comes into your life, you're going to look different. You're going to act different. You're going to walk and talk differently. Will it, will it be all at once? No, it won't. If you get saved today, you're not going to go home this afternoon and people are like, whoa, you're so different. It's just not going to happen. That's not the way it works. But what should happen, if you have experienced saving faith, you now have a new nature. You should be able to look back six months, a year, a year and a half, two years, three years, five years, ten years. You should be able to look back and say, whoa, I'm not where I want to be, and I've still got a, a lot ahead of me. I want to be more like Jesus. But thank God I'm not where I used to be. I'm different. I'm new. I'm, there, there's something different. I have a new nature. It's called the sanctification process at work in us. When we have saving faith, we have a new nature. So I just I want to say this to you in closing. You know what my hope is for each and every one of you? For everyone under the sound of my voice, for everyone in Mount Olive, for everyone I meet, my hope is that you would know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That you would, that you would know Him as your Savior. That you would have that present relationship. I, I think about Chris just holding Tiffany right there. That 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 would be me with my Savior, that He would be just holding me and I am fully submitted to Him. I am fully at rest in His arms. My prayer is that you would know Jesus as your Savior and that that knowledge... See, I ask people that sometimes. Do you, do you know Jesus? And here I get some variation of, well, I, I know Jesus. Are you going to heaven? I hope so. Guys, we don't have to have a hope so faith. We can have a no so faith. We can be confident. That word in, in John was we can be certain. We can know that we know. You guys remember that old hymn, Blessed Assurance? Anybody remember that? Okay, yeah, a couple of you. One of the lines in that song, perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. That's that picture of being in your Savior's arms. We can have confidence that when we have saving faith that he's holding us. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, uh, I know in a group this size, there are people that fall in all different categories. There are some that are saved and they know. There are some that saved, they, they sit, they're saved, but they don't have that confidence. And there may be some of us that we're not saved and we want to be. 
I pray, Father, that they would make that decision today. Your presence is in this place. You are here. I pray that while you are close, they would reach out and make that decision for you. We're going to have people in the altar to pray with them. I pray, God, that you would give them the courage to do that. I pray for the rest of us, though, that we would have confidence. Thank you that we serve a Savior that tells us we can know, we can have certainty that we are saved, that we have a present relationship with Him, that, that it's more than just a prayer. It's a present relationship, and it's a saving faith that produces a new nature. God, we all want to experience that confidence. I pray that you would give it to us today. I pray, Father, that we would seek it and we would pursue it. And I pray that we would find it. Whoever's in the Son has life. Help us to rest in that. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.